Good morning, everyone. Yeah. Um, I'd like to introduce you to Mary Corrigal over here, who is founding director of uh, Corrigal & Co. And she'll be going through Corrigal & Co's inaugural African Art Market report. Um, and I'm going to hand over to you. If we could kind of welcome Mary here. And yes, thank you so much. And thank you all for being here. Thanks, Olivia. That's all right. All right, hello everyone. Thank you so much for joining me today. Um, I'm really, really excited. Um, I've been working on this project um, with a host of other researchers around the African continent. So I'm so excited to finally be sharing some of the findings from the report with the public. Okay, just a little bit about me in case you don't know or are familiar with my work. Um, uh, researcher based in Cape Town. Um, I originally am from Johannesburg, uh, where I worked for um, a newspaper as an art critic and as an academic at a university at a research centre dedicated to contemporary African art. Um, and being a Joburg-based journalist and academic, I naturally began to plot the art ecosystem in my hometown. When I started out as an art critic in 2000, the Joburg Biennales were behind us and the art scene bolstered by international tension that those landmark art events generated and the advent of democracy had planted a seed that was growing. I observed, wrote, processed, challenged the evolving art scene in Joburg. I witnessed derelict no-go zones in the inner city gradually come to life via public art, art galleries, exhibitions grew in unknown pockets of the city. Visual expression wasn't new, it dates back to humankind in Africa. I was witnessing something else evolving, a loose network that was professionalizing, supporting, growing and validating art via multiple channels. I now dub this the art ecosystem. When Simon and Jami's Africa Remix arrived at the Johannesburg Art Gallery in 2007, my awareness of art production from the continent was ignited. Though at the same time, I struggled to understand how expression from such a large continent could, could be bundled into a single show. This has informed my approach in generating this art report. While I'm focused on tracking patterns, I do so with an acute awareness that each city, never mind country on the African continent, has evolved differently, has its own unique ecosystem. Perhaps the dates of the study from 2007 to 2017 are informed by my own awakening that Simon and Jami's Africa remix brought in that year. But my research has proven that this date, this past decade, has been the most fundamental in terms of the development of the visibility of African art and growth of the sector on the continent. Its expansion has been astonishing. In 10 years, the sector has gone from zero to hero. To reiterate, I'm not referring to the beginning of visual expression. All African countries have long histories of art production from antiquities through to modernism, postmodernism to contemporary art. Contemporary art was not born a decade ago. However, a clustering of institutions and commercial endeavors to support and increase visibility of it has intensified exponentially in the last decade. I cannot contain all the markers along its ascent in my report. 
In the chapter, I touch on a few, though in my research, which is focused on reading this growth and development through a study of the top 20 curators, it is clear that one of the most important moments that opened African contemporary art to the world was the first African pavilion, which took place in 2007. This was subsequently bolstered by a number of African countries from Angola to Gabon, South Africa, Nigeria, and Zimbabwe, staging national pavilions at that Venice Biennale. There are many other markers along the way that we can list as substantiating the growth of the contemporary African art market. They are well known to us all here. Dedicated African art fairs in Western art centers such as this one, 154, Akar, in Paris, auction houses on the continent and in Europe, such as Bonhams and Sotheby's here in London and Piazza in Paris. Exhibitions featuring African artists curated by Africans and indeed with Africa in the title are more frequent than ever before. We've seen the opening of the Zeitz Museum of Contemporary Art in Cape Town and Macau in Marrakesh. But as a journalist and academic, I was always more interested in how, why, who, where, and why now? This is primarily what drove me to create an in-depth art report. I always had this map in mind that plotted and knitted together all the conditions, <coughs> events, and shifting opinions that brought contemporary African art to this moment. It was such a pleasure to finally have reason to generate this map and include it in the inaugural port, giving context to this moment. <coughs> but also allowing us insight into the stable and unstable conditions on which growth might depend. So here it is. I won't be able to go into each condition. I will summarize a few. The most essential fact, um, which isn't unexpected, is that the largest impact um, has been due to the advent of the internet. It's exposed art from the continent to those who might not be able to travel to it. Artists' galleries can speak directly to public and audiences in their countries, continent, the world. Physical, ideological barriers between nations have been eroded and given rise to globalization and bolstered transnationalism, which has fed back into the art world through the art fairs, through uh, biennales, where the different nations kind of gather and share art from their continents. The spread of social and political movements have been imploding and advancing through the internet. The privileging of visual expression as well has increased as social media is actually visually driven. This has caused dramatic social political shifts that are difficult for humanity to process and art has become the vehicle outside of virtual reality to plug into its impact. So I've divided this map um, into sort of three sections here. The global art shift, so these are the things that have been happening globally that affect all of these different art markets in Western centers and then in Africa. And then I've looked at the Western art centers, which we will touch on more now. Um, and there are similarities and differences that happen here, um, which I'm going to go into. And then connecting everything is obviously the internet, which then gives rise to this sense of globalization and enables transnationalism, and everything just feeds back into each other. But let's just concentrate first on the global art <coughs> changes here. 
Um, some of them, and most of them, will be familiar to you, but they have had a massive impact in terms of all art, um, but obviously not excluding African contemporary art. Art has become an asset class. Um, this, has, this is related to um, the fixation with contemporary art. Museums and art historians are looking and engaging more with contemporary practice than art history. Um, this is related to an explosion of biennales and art fairs, um, which has then, of course, fed into this artisan asset class. So they're all interrelated. But this explosion of biennales and art fairs is particularly important for the rise of contemporary African art. For the art fairs in particular, um, it has democratized um, a sort of participation on an international level. Um, that's, of course, if your African-based gallery has the resources and they meet the criteria. You know, different art fairs have different criteria and it's expensive to travel to different locations, but if they do have the resources, they can participate. And that participation has meant that African art is being shown in all different places in the world, and it no longer has to go through the usual sorts of gatekeepers. It's different kind of gatekeeping, but not the usual ones. Then in the US and Europe, um, as I said, they do share similarities, and it, this will be a surprise, right-wing politics. I suggest in my report that the rise of right-wing politics has actually been beneficial for contemporary African art because people uh, within the art world, within museums, who might be left-leaning have been using exhibitions to sort of push back at this. Um, it's also kind of fed into this drive to diversify museum collections. Um, this is also related to the Black Lives Matter and work culture and this rise of new black consciousness, which is in response to the right-wing politics. Within this movement, there is an increased kind of interest to connect with African identity. Um, and that has shifted interest to African expression on the continent. It's also then had an impact on this crisis of museology. Um, ethnographic museums can no longer justify their collections. They've, so what they've been doing is they've been using contemporary art to um, make show, they show it in the same context with their old artifacts and it somehow gives it new relevance. And in that way, they allow artists from the continent to comment in a way on their collection. So it somehow relieves them of this crisis they have with these, this legacy of objects that were collected during the colonial era. So all of this has increased interest. Um, within Europe, there's also been the rise of white politics, but Obviously, there are different kinds of um, sort of historical relationships with Africa that need to be negotiated. Um, and that would be obviously to do with the colonial history. Um, the openness to dealing and confronting with colonial history is directly related to an openness to contemporary African art. Um, this came through in many, many interviews with museum directors, artists, and curators. 
Right, then to Africa itself. Probably one of the main and most important things that has happened on the continent that has allowed African art and contemporary art to flourish is political stability. This has been essential. It has it has led to exiles, artists in exile, an educated class returning to the continent. It's allowed the rest of the world to see the continent in a different light. Um, it's created an ability for artists, uh, for art institutions to come into being because there's now a future. Um, there's a future to be told. There are new stories that need to be new narrated. And it, political stability has led to so much change. Um, democracy is obviously one of them, and coming out of democracy, which is very important, is, um, which I'm looking for here, freedom of expression. Um, generally, if there isn't, if a country on the continent doesn't embrace, or the political state doesn't embrace sort of democratic principles and freedom of expression isn't allowed to flourish there, you pretty much find that there are very few active artists in those countries. They tend to leave and practice elsewhere, either in Europe or other African countries, where they can express themselves. It's, it's a very basic, very basic kind of necessity for art. Um, but the return of this ed educated exiles, um, this democracy, which has led to um, an expansion of African urban cities. Um, it, everything here is kind of related and feeds off each other. Um, the rise of a new middle class, we don't, it, we don't necessarily know whether they're buying art yet, but in the future they will, and some already are. Um, so, so much, so much change has happened. Larger cities, um, democracy, new ideas about the self and self-identity, and while this has allowed art to flourish, it's also given artists a purpose, a new purpose, which is to um, really interrogate and process extreme changes in a society. The activity and growth on the continent has been compelling. Um, though my focus in this retrospective study maps this decade via data pertaining to the exhibitions curated by the top 20 curators with the assistance of reporters on the ground, we have begun, we are not finished, and uh, I expect we may never be, mapping the entry of new galleries, auction houses, art fairs, festivals, and biennales on the continent. This graph shows how this is now, oh, whoops, sorry. So I've, we've plotted the graph from the sort of mid 80s, so you can just see. This plots the number of new art institutions from galleries, auction houses, any sort of um, institution that supports or is related to the visual arts. And as I said, it's not complete. We're still busy mapping. Um, so this, but this is to just give you an idea of what's happened in the last decade. It's, so this isn't the number that exists. These are new, these are new institutions. Sure, there's so much to share. <laughs> I don't know where to begin. Um, you'll have to get hold of the report to, to read it all. Um, and, and I'm constantly going to be refining and, and updating and drilling into 
um, specific art ecosystems. Um, right, so to the art ecosystem. So this is before. So obviously this increase um, of institutions has had a dramatic effect on the African art ecosystem. Um, so, uh, okay, I can't go into too much detail. I have, don't have enough time, but I'm just gonna point out a few things on this before 2007 that um, I'm gonna draw your attention to. Um, the one is the, the collectors. Um, the local collector is very much embedded within the sort of ecosystem. Um, they tend to be a sort of patron. Um, they're collecting to enable. There was very much the sense before 2007 that if you were a collector, you did so to support art, not necessarily because you were collecting per se. Obviously, this is a generalization. There were people who were doing that, but the, the drive to collect has become, has shifted. Um, there's a big gap here, there are lots of gaps, and you'll see now when we go to the next one, the, the, the gaps here, then the secondary market, the, which appears, you'll see now when we move on, but there are no art fairs, um, there are biennales, but there are no art fairs, and the curators, which are the focus of the study, are over here. They're sort of in the intermediary. They're not quite as embedded in this international scene as they become. So this is what it looks like now, and as you can see, it's grown quite substantially. Um, once again, I'm just gonna draw attention to a few things. Um, so the galleries, so the biggest growth has been here within the galleries, um, which isn't unexpected. Um, the other interesting aspect um, is over there, which is particular to this fair. That is the international gallery that specializes in African contemporary art. We've got two of them. So here, this is the gallery that specializes in contemporary African art um, that is very closely aligned to the sort of validating systems within the, within Europe and the US, um, and they are the big international galleries um, which now are signing up contemporary African artists. So they don't specialize in contemporary African art, they're just a big gallery um, with branches around the world, Hong Kong, New York, London, and they're signing up African artists. So that's a new kind of addition. One other kind of major thing here is the social media, which has sprung out of the internet, as I said earlier, has allowed for a lot of connections. It sort of moves across this intermediary, even towards the sort of secondary markets here. The commercial, so these are some of the findings. Um, hang on, here I come. Right. So these are some of the major findings that have come out of the research. The validation of African art still takes place in Europe's art capitals. In the report, I analyze which cities and types of art platforms, where this occurs. This insight has ramifications for the ecosystem on the continent, as it is sort of caught in another system, as we saw earlier. So the, which, in a way, you kind of get now during Art Fair Week. You've got the sort of the 154 little ecosystem, and then you've got the bigger 
sort of uh, freeze art fair, which is the biggest system. And they are actually uh, related to each other, um, perhaps one more dependent on the other. But um, shifts in the one create shifts in the other. Um, so this, this obviously is not ideal for a variety of reasons. As I mentioned earlier, the commercial sector has grown the most. This is how it should be. The segment of any art ecosystem should experience the most growth. However, what is interesting and what we need to pay attention to is the quality of some of these galleries, the ownership, um, the profile of the collectors um, that they caught, um, and how this might prevent barriers to continued growth, which, which it can. Um, the top 20 African curators that I identify in the study stage more exhibitions in Europe than the continent. This relates back to the first finding I shared, namely that this is where validation occurs. Curators are linked and embedded in the validation process of art. They are also interested in pursuing opportunities, growing their own profiles and operating in evolved ecosystems. So naturally they've gravitated towards Europe. As such, they are the ideal prism through which to assess the functionality of an art ecosystem. If it cannot support their work, uh, the system is weak, actually, so to speak. These are some of the other key findings. There are too few African collectors. This comes through constantly, um, no matter who I interview, um, whether it's an auction house in London or a gallerist in Morocco. Um, and one of the reasons, or there are many reasons, and there are many solutions, um, but I would say, just based on the study, that establishing more contemporary art museums um, is, is one way towards alleviating this, really educating the audiences. I've seen this firsthand in Cape Town with the Zeitz, uh, opening of the Zeitz Mocha, that people who are educated, who are in, working in the creative fields, had not stepped into a commercial gallery. But now that there's a big contemporary museum, they feel compelled to go. And they're asking questions when they come out that should be answered there, but um, they're asking questions and they're learning and wanting to know more. So, but obviously establishing more contemporary art museums is not an easy undertaking. So the solution is difficult and there are many solutions. Um, the major art capitals on the continent, not too surprisingly, they are based in South Africa, Nigeria, and Morocco. South Africa has the most evolved art ecosystem, but it doesn't have a Biennale. And this is a real loss to this art ecosystem because the Biennale is the place where artists get to experiment. Um, they can create you know, non-commercial installations. And the experimentation is a very important part of developing um, the art ecosystem, in fact, um, because this is how things kind of move forward and you start to see new work and new expression. It drives things forward. There are many other findings um, and each chapter of the report concludes with interesting insights gleaned from our research. So that's our lovely cover with Mary Sabande's work and it's called A Decade of Curating. So, of course, the methodology. 
Um, we analyzed ex exhibitions staged between 2007 and 2017. In total, our two combined data sets saw an analysis of over 200 exhibitions. We conducted comprehensive interviews with 30 industry experts from gallerists, museum directors, artists, curators, auction house directors from Africa and elsewhere. We gathered retrospective views from our on-the-ground writers in different art capitals, Kampala, Cape Town, Johannesburg, Lagos, and Accra. So why tell this story or come to grips with the ecosystem through curators? Typically, art reports follow the artists, track the value of their art. I did this for a number of reasons. I did not want to begin by quantifying the value of contemporary African art. I will be addressing this in the next report. However, we are cognizant of the fact that the full value has largely, albeit with a few exceptions, not yet been fully realized. In my opinion, its full potential in the secondary market has not been achieved. And therefore, data relating to it does not at this point provide a solid foundation in isolation of other information, opinions, and research from which to build a first report. However, in this category, the limitations, which have namely been the absence of platforms on the continent and sustained institutional resistance to it in most Western art centers, have driven this niche group of individuals, the curators, to generate platforms, adapt them, and take the first bold steps in advancing this category, mediating and asserting conversations about its relevance to local and international audiences. So much of the initial steps of, gener of generating awareness of contemporary African art has relied on making it visible. I wanted to focus on the niche group within the art ecosystem who tell stories, shape perception. They are the drivers of visibility or have been in the beginning. I would suggest that things have shifted since then within this 10 year period. But initially, they set the conditions for what visibility might entail and tracking them leads us to understand what those terms have been or what terms they've had to submit to in order for visibility of African art to take place. This is a quote from a Nigerian curator based in Berlin whose work um, has been part of the study. And it summarizes to some degree the motivation behind most of the African art curators in this study. Whoops. <laughs> so how did we identify the top 20 curators? What sort of criteria did we apply? They firstly, they obviously had to be active within the decade, the time period. They had to have produced more than two exhibitions within this period and achieved high visibility in the art press. Their names had to recur in our research or were put forward by experts that we interviewed or polled. Uh, if they curated a biennale, that definitely um, drew our attention to them or set up platforms or created journals. Um, and curated exhibitions, including artists from different parts of the continent, was also quite important, as it meant they were addressing or dispelling notions about art pertaining to Africa. Before we get to the much kind of awaited list of who some of those top African curators might be, a few interesting and perhaps shocking facts about them. 95% of the top African curators studied in Europe. This automatically 
puts them in conversation with Western epistemology and explains a common drive to re-educate and rewrite history. It makes them able mediators between Africa and Western art capitals as they have a firm grasp on Eurocentric rhetoric and have built their networks through attending universities in those countries. Racism in those countries promotes the drive for visibility and to make a space narrative in which they and African artists are at the center. This is another one of the findings which I particularly relish is that the majority of curators within the top 20 and also within our other data set of 31 curators working on the continent who not um, as well known um, are also in the majority are female, which is fantastic. Um, but it's had ramifications um, for the kind of stories that are being told about art. Um, we have a chapter looking at the dominant thematics and um, exhibitions that relate to gender um, intersect with race quite um, profoundly as a result. Um, I would, what did also come through in our research was that initially from 2007, it was quite male dominated and then over, I'd say about a five year period, then the female curator started to come through and they're coming through much stronger now as well. Um, even just updating our lists at the moment, we see it's mostly um, women curators who are entering the scene. So who are they, the top five African curators? Christine Ayen from France, Simon Njami, who was expected from Switzerland, BC Silva, Nigeria, Azu Nwagabugu, Nigeria, Abdela Karum from Morocco. So this here, this figure uh, next to their name relates to the number of exhibitions that we tracked um, that they produced during this time period from 2007 to 2017. So that's, that's, that's quite a number. Because um, mostly it seems, you know, curating um, is quite a time consuming um, and difficult process. So, but, being prolific, being a prolific curator, I'm not sure how important that is. Um, and certainly most in our studies, we found that most curators are not working full-time as curators. Um, they're often waiting or applying for budgets to produce shows, um, the right projects, the right opportunities, and the best quality exhibitions we found and which was borne out through our, root, uh, our research was that they need to be backed up by years of research, um, and this takes time. And certainly it appears from our analysis of curating that not enough resources have been dedicated to this pursuit. Uh, I, I think that it's partly to do with the fact that now that African art has become visible and has achieved a certain amount of visibility, that the role of the African curators has shifted. Um, and this has certainly been the case as the sort of commercial um, platforms have increased. So for example, when 
African art was becoming visible, say, on the international stages like the Venice Biennale, it was being led by the curators, the big traveling shows by Njami that had such an impact on me. But now, as the commercial platforms have come up, more art fairs, the particular art fairs uh, dedicated to African art, visibility um, is less important to some degree, but has actually been enacted on commercial fronts. Um, so that might be one of the reasons why it has been under-resourced. Um, so, but I do believe um, that curators still have a very important role to play. Now that visibility has sort of been achieved to a certain degree, we still need those stories to be told um, and different kinds of stories. Um, in, in my art report, we look at where some of the curators, where their interests have, have been in the past um, and where they're heading towards in the future. Um, which is quite interesting. Um, so that's where I'm going to end, because um, also I'm sure you have some questions, which you can address now. <laughs> um, thank you. You focused on, uh, as saw Western and the US market uh, in comparison with the African market. When you look at the Art Wealth Report, it says China is first now, or no, US, China, and then UK. The UK and China has, has switched roles. Mm. Um, and I didn't see any reference to it, so I was curious how that works. Yes, uh, well, that, that, that um, map that we went back to, um, there are a few, a few things to, that, that I would need to say in, in response. The one is that the study looks over a 10-year period. So it's what's been happening over the last 10 years. It also is specific to the changes that impact on contemporary African art, because that is my focus. So I'm not focused on mapping the entire world's art ecosystem, maybe one day, and I would love to do that. But I suspect, and there are reports that do do that, which you have referenced. Um, I'm not sure how they do that, because e even within the Chinese um, market, there are different differences to the Western um, art ecosystem. But that's why it's just not included. Um, it just hasn't had an impact historically. Um, hopefully, in the future, um, it when Chinese buyers start to take an interest in contemporary African art, or perhaps um, galleries from the continent participate in you know, Basel, Hong Kong, then we'll maybe start to see what that interaction would be. I mean, there are, within the study, there have been exhibitions that have been shown um, in China um, that are uh, curated by some of our top curators, but they've been so few that that relationship yet and what how that might impact um, on this particular ecosystem hasn't been established enough in order for us to really pursue research around that but it's certainly something we have to monitor given this shift within the kind of global sort of uh, art sort of power <laughs> uh, shifts that are taking on, yeah. Hi, um, I was wondering uh, the impact on artists and art schools. Has there been a growth? Have you seen a growth over the last 10 years of that? Yeah, um, if I go back 
to this, uh, the art ecosystem, I'll show you here, um, there's been substantial growth. So that's the number, uh, I mean, that's the artists here. They also, what is significant is that the self-taught artist is still a fairly big group here. And then when you move a decade later, um, there are more artists. In fact, um, many of the reports that we had from on the ground was that there were too many artists and not enough galleries. So I think that the growth has compelled and made it with this sort of legitimizing of the sort of creative economy um, has, I guess, drawn many people to go and study art. And then they come out and they being, in some countries, it's harder to, um, if they're not enough galleries, to, to find um, a gallery to represent them. So that has definitely been an issue, a big issue. Um, there are some other issues relating to that, that perhaps some of the, um, which has come through, that the education um, in some of the art schools isn't preparing artists to be contemporary artists. I know that sounds a bit um, <laughs> odd, but um, that they're not able to be integrated, so to speak, into the system because they're not sure or they're not, their techniques aren't there or they don't understand how it all works. But there's been significant growth. Yes, I mean, that has come like through. Favorite, uh, yes, I mean, we, we actually allowed for that um, within the report. We had a, um, with the top curators and then the 31 on the ground, um, we, cause we look at art platform types. There's an entire chapter on this. And we call it, um, no, it's, it's not on there. Um, we call it the sort of the non-art platform. Um, and it was significantly, it just, it was quite peripheral. I, there's some countries where it seems to be more so the case than in others. Um, I mean, I know in Luanda that, um, you know, uh, Paula Nascimento, in fact, one of the, the comments that she made was that she was constantly showing outside of art institutions, uh, like in, in the bank, and, and how, in fact, um, she really enjoyed that aspect. Uh, so it, it, it exists and it's there in some countries, but it didn't come through very strongly. I, I was also kind of surprised. I mean, there was also the sense of, you know, one of the researchers kept treating the art fair as a pop-up um, <laughs> within this, which was kind of um, surprising. And so we had to sort of, you know, agree that actually an art fair wasn't a pop-up platform, but, you know, in a way, it, it, I guess it is. Hi, thank you very much for sharing this research. Um, and I think it's in line with a question that was just asked right, um, right now regarding the formal label that we give to art fairs and how, like, if I'm thinking of a Biennale that you haven't... Um, mentioned, and which is for me quite striking to see that uh, Dakar is not part of your African art capitals, having the oldest Biennale. Yeah. But if we look at the off there, it's, um, it's actually been playing the role of those commercial endeavors that you are mentioning. Mm. Uh, and so, um, like, yeah. more about, so one question is about yes. this kind of taken for granted 
labels that we just apply rather than mm. questioning them to find what is actually going on on the ground. And the second that is linked to this is more details regarding your methodology. Um, if you could, because you mentioned different exhibitions, I would be interested where they are located, multiple um, informants, which um, region they were coming from, because I think there are some silences where it doesn't come from English-speaking countries. Um, thank you. Thanks so much for your comments. Uh, I mean, I, there's, there's a lot in this report. It's 120 pages, so I've had to really just pick on a few aspects that I thought might be interesting for this first presentation. Um, and I don't want to reveal everything, but I can tell you that the Dakar Biennale features a lot in this report and, and has proven to be extremely important. Um, I agree with you that it's, it is difficult um, using sort of uh, labels, and sometimes those labels don't always fit neatly on particular um, exhibitions or biennales, um, but you know, in terms of mapping patterns, we had to kind of sit and agree on what labels to give certain art platforms um, in order to understand and see where things or how things were shifting. Um, but we always do it with the understanding that we are flattening certain complexities of, that are there. Um, and we do allow for this in the report through quite extensive um, quotes from different people in the industry who drill into different aspects of the hard data that we have so that you can hear from somebody on the ground or a curator who's worked in different areas about what they see as being important. Sometimes it coincides with our um, research and sometimes it conflicts with it. Um, but we've, we've allowed for that to sit within this document that I feel was just necessary to create at this point. Um, and certainly with feedback, we're going to keep sort of refining, you know, what are our terms and asking how they are and how we're applying them. Um, in terms of the methodology, um, I've, I've kind of gone into a little bit of that um, around the exhibitions. Uh, because they're 200 exhibitions, we couldn't list all of them, but there are chapters in the art report that are dedicated to looking at art platform types and in cases where a particular um, event, whether it be a biennale or an art fair that was particularly um, dominant in terms of our research, then we, we do name the, the particular platforms where it is. But we tend to concentrate on um, which countries um, the exhibitions are held in, um, which is how we arrived um, at that statistic um, around the exhibitions, the majority of exhibitions um, by the top African curators are staged in Europe. I hope that answered some of your questions there. Um, based on what you found in this report, uh, what do you think are the most interesting avenues for future research? And, you know, have you got new projects which are already stemming out of this? And what might those be, if, if you know, at this stage? There's so much. And, you know, this is really just the first uh, sort of foray. And 
And how I've kind of set it out is that I will keep shifting the focus from different areas and um, keep developing and evolving this um, map of the ecosystem, which, as I mentioned a number of times, is actually different in each capital, art capital. It's actually not consistent. So, it's, uh, you know, the, it's, it's kind of a general sort of ecosystem map. The next two reports, um, I'm going off in different directions. Um, the next one coming out in March, I'm looking at South African pricing and value. Um, and through that, um, looking at how the Af South African art ecosystem is structured. And it's structured quite differently in Cape Town and Johannesburg, which does come through already in this report. Um, so it's, a, it's kind of going to be a shorter, more concise report. Um, and then following that, looking at art fairs, um, which ones are dedicated to contemporary African art, as well as looking at which art fairs um, gallerists are participating in around the world. So we can start to share information around um, where the receptiveness is. Um, so from that point of view, I'll be looking at, you know, where does the art face it within the, um, the ecosystem? What role does it actually play? Um, and once again, you know, I'm going to be employing the same kind of methodology, working with um, collecting the hard data first, then extensive interviews, and then analysis. Um, and of course, always using my contemporaries on the ground, which has been, um, you know, this hasn't been a one sort of person exercise at all. I have really relied on my contemporaries in different cities, and I'm extending my network um, all the time so that I can, um, you know, provide my contemporaries with a, with a platform in which to share their knowledge about their art capital. Yeah, so we'll finish there. Um, if you would like to have a look at some of the first um, three chapters, you may do so. I have a couple of samples here. Um, and if you would like to, or you would like me to email you a sample, please um, fill in this form here with your name and email address, and I shall do so and keep you abreast of other art reports that are coming out. But thank you so much.